The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. This is Squawk Box in your headlines this hour. We've got a rebound in Asia. Markets are higher as China reports a slower increase in coronavirus cases, while Japan's January exports fall less than expected. Apple shares sink nearly 2%, dragging down the Dow after the tech giant surprise revenue warning. But the Nasdaq manages to eke out a slight gain to post another record close. Jaguar Land Rover resorts to flying components out of China in suitcases amid the virus outbreak, while CEO Ralph Spieth tells CNBC his supply chain will be under threat in a matter of weeks. At the very moment, we are sure for the next two weeks, but we don't know how the supply chain will work then in the week three. Bernie Sanders leads in the Democratic primary race, according to the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll while Michael Bloomberg gains ground, saying he will sell his company if elected president. Deutsche Telekom reporting numbers this morning as we dive straight into earnings from the telecommunications sector. It's a fourth quarter adjusted net profit crossing at 1.016 billion euros. And this is uh, versus a poll at 1.1 billion euros, so just shy of what the market was expecting. It's free cash flow at 1.76 billion euros versus uh, about 1.7 billion euros anticipated. So that is fairly close to expectations. Just to the, the revenue print at 21.36 billion. This is a tad above expectations that were flat around that 21 billion line. So while well, the numbers coming through stronger on that print, uh, when it comes to the forecast for core earnings, seen up 3% in 2020 as it looks to complete the $26 billion merger with T-Mobile US, that's its unit, and Sprint to create the third largest US wireless carrier. Uh, but I just uh, probably worth pointing out at this point, there are issues potentially with that deal as Deutsche Telekom has been pressing for renegotiation in terms with Sprint because you've seen a, a fairly significant drop in the, the price of Sprint in the last couple of years. So it's been talking to Sprint's owner being SoftBank and uh, according to some reports, SoftBank is not that keen on a renegotiation of the terms of this deal. The other big one in recent weeks has been a report that uh, Deutsche Telekom has been pressuring Nokia to try and uh, lift its game a little bit in the 5G equipment market. It uh, has been relying on many Huawei products in recent years. It's not been very happy with the competition from Nokia, but it is obviously aware of some of the restrictions around Huawei and wants to see better offering from the likes of Nokia. So in two different fronts, on mergers and on equipment side, Deutsche Telekom has a couple of issues. Well, it's a really big day today, isn't it? We're going to get into this a little bit later on because we've got this uh, white paper coming from the EU, which will give us a better sense of what the landscape is going to look like around regulation of data. And at the moment, as it stands, we're in this very bizarre situation where some of the leading edge data, uh, some of the leading edge technologies like facial recognition um, are not legal 
in the EU under GDPR regulations. And uh, Sylvia did a terrific interview yesterday with uh, Ms. Vestager uh, about what we're likely to get in terms of those regulations. And what was remarkable, I thought, in that conversation is that the competition commissioner, a senior leader in the EU Commission, seemed so relaxed about what Attorney General William Barr had suggested or threatened that the US authorities would take strategic stakes in uh, Ericsson and Nokia potentially as a way of speeding up America's entrance into the 5G marketplace. And I just thought that was extraordinary that she seemed so relaxed about the idea. So, you know, it, it would seem that it's open season on European telecoms for any government that's interested in getting involved. I wonder whether she knows something that we don't, because these conversations have been happening God, I for hope she does. a couple of years, right? And uh, Vestica has been at the conferences that Nokia and Ericsson attend. And I wonder whether this has come up. And you know, her point was, well, it assumes that these businesses are for sale, that those stake sales are on offer, yeah. which was a great point. Maybe they're not. Maybe there is no room at the table for the US government. So perhaps she was dismissive of it from that potential. So, you know, who would know what conversations have taken place behind the scenes? I mean, what's interesting is that we just showed Ericsson and, uh, Ericsson and Nokia's share price there. I think that was a one-year chart. Um, but let's, um, I mean, if you put up Deutsche Telekom, actually Deutsche Telekom has had a better ride across the year here, which perhaps reflects, and I don't know, you can shoot me down on this if you like, perhaps reflects the fact not that people are extremely excited about the prospects of Deutsche Telekom delivering higher single digit growth going forward, but maybe that this is a stock that gives you a 4% plus dividend yield in a world that does seem to be increasingly, when it comes to all markets outside of the United States, just looking for some income. Mm. So um, as we've had many a guest uh, uh, through this desk tell us, your telecom stocks have utility-like characteristics these days. We'll wait and see whether 5G, which is something else we're going to talk about a lot on the program, just to flag that up, so hang around. But unless 5G lights a fire under some of these telecom businesses and gives them better growth profile, at the moment, they just look like a bit of a utility, pumping out a 4 to 5% dividend yield. A couple of points. Uh, I think the stock price has had some action lately because of that deal activity with uh, T-Mobile and Sprint. It's been a long one that uh, investors have waited for. So you can see that at the end of the curve on the share price, I, I would dare say that that's driving the share price action. But in terms of what you're saying about the growth around 5G, the problem is that we don't have Mobile World Congress. And this has been a window where we talk in depth about those revenue prospects for the industry and simply it's been cancelled because of coronavirus fears and what it would mean for the spread of the virus. So there's no uh, proper industry-wide conversation taking place that will shed any light on how those revenues will grow for the industry, which means you may not see some of that growth reflected in the share price action of major telcos like you might have if the conference had gone ahead. It's going to have a big impact on those shishi Barcelona restaurants, yeah. isn't it? The tapas bars. Well, although it's going to cut down the expenses for us because you're and not maybe going. The wa- and maybe the waistline too. Yeah, and those air miles you're going to miss out on. Uh, we're going to speak to uh, we're going to speak to the seat. Welcome back, by the way. Thank I'm you. I'm glad you enjoyed your skiing. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, we'll speak to the CEO of Deutsche Telekom. That is a first on interview at 11:20 CET. Karen's going to have a look at the markets.
Yes, it's got comfortable territory walking the wall instead of trying to ski moguls, Jeff. Uh, let me take you to what you're seeing across these Asian markets. Uh, green back on the boards. Uh, some of this in response to, again, that optimism that there might be some breakthrough towards uh, reaching the end of the road on coronavirus fears. And some of this down to the reporting lower level of cases from China at this point from authorities. But uh, from the West, from the other side, questions about what uh, the reporting standard looks like and how much faith we can put in the measures by Chinese authorities to try and stem this crisis that's unfolding in China. But uh, a lot of corporates reporting, and Apple had a big impact on the markets with its warning yesterday. Chinese markets today, you can see modestly firm uh, the best gains we're really seeing around the Japanese stock market, 200 plus points on nine tenths of a percent. Uh, let me take you to the yuan as well. We have the PBOC cutting the interest rate on the medium term lending facility on Monday that started the week. It's seen as a way to pave the way towards uh, potentially a move on the prime benchmark loan rate on Thursday and the yuan at this point uh, steady seven is the handle that we're watching today. I want to show you the dollar crosses. There's been fairly strong movement on uh, what we're seeing on the euro versus the dollar. This is obviously the US markets. We're showing you we'll come back to the foreign exchange markets and oh no there we are. Let's take a look at them now. 107.93 as we've unwound from much higher ranges that we've had on euro dollars. So if you're looking for casualties around some of the growth fears, euro stands up very much as one of those casualties. Uh, let me take you to what we're seeing on those US markets because it was a day where that Apple impact uh, had an effect on both the Dow and the S&P, which is why you're seeing red flash up on both of those charts. The warning around the demand and supply side from the Chinese market because of coronavirus saw a, a hit to some of the guidance from that stock. And we've seen it across a number of other companies as well. NASDAQ uh, still just leaning positive. In terms of what we're witnessing too on some of those fears around coronavirus, as you look at uh, records again on the NASDAQ, we've got an inversion of the yield curve and whether this is flagging up some concerns, I'll leave it up to the audience, but it is one that many people watch when you see the inversion between the short term but the three-month yield uh, on the T-bills starting to trade higher than what you've got on the 10-year yield. So that split very much watched by some investors, uh, Jeff. So for those that want warning signals, there are some out there. Okay, well, let's talk a bit more about that. Apple shares closed almost 2% lower, dragging on the stock. Suppliers to Apple also being impacted around the world. The iPhone maker warned it will not meet its sales and revenue forecasts this quarter due to the virus outbreak. Apple says disruptions at its Chinese manufacturing facilities and within its supply chains will see it produce and sell fewer iPhones. Uh, and there's a snapshot of uh, what the trading session looked like for Apple. Uh, we were off 1.8% uh, by the time the dust settled. Um, Apple's China struggles are weighing on its global supply chain. In terms of companies that uh, send product into the business, you can see we were down anywhere between 26 and 1.7%. Josh Lipton has more on how the coronavirus has disrupted Apple's production lines and why it could have an impact on its guidance. It's a very fluid situation. That's what Tim Cook told me when we last spoke about the outbreak in China. And it's why he offered investors that wider than usual guidance for the current quarter. But now the company is withdrawing that guidance for two broad reasons. One, because iPhone supply will be temporarily constrained. Manufacturing facilities in China are reopening, but ramping more slowly than anticipated. And two, demand within China is weaker than expected. Just seven of Apple's 42 stores in China have reopened. And 
even those with limited hours. I caught up with Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. He's betting that ultimately demand for Apple products just now shifts from the March quarter to future quarters, but the timeline uncertain as we wait and see what the real length and breadth of this outbreak really will be. Investors are also watching Apple's suppliers, specifically the chip makers like Broadcom, Skyworks, and Corvo. RBC says to also closely watch Dialogue Semi. Its chips help iPhones conserve power, and it has, analysts say, notable exposure to Apple. Josh Lipton, CNBC Business News, San Francisco. Well, let's speak with uh, Dexter Tillian now, Senior Industry Analyst at Fitch Solutions. Dexter, good morning to you. Look, this is, um, I guess, no huge surprise to you, given that you'd flagged this up in a few articles beforehand. What, what is the most serious aspect to this? One, the impact on the production facilities for Apple, or the fact that it has meant that many of the stores have been shuttered in China, and that has continued from the Chinese New Year, so it's meant a reduction in sales. Yes, yeah, so I think in the short term, there's definitely the reduction in sales. So Q1 is a big quarter in terms of Chinese sales, obviously Chinese New Year, so the percentage of China as part of total sales is kind of the highest in Q1. But I think in the longer term, it's probably on the production side. I think the main issue is the uncertainty. We don't know how long this is going to last. This could stop tomorrow, this could stop in two weeks, this could stop at the end of March. So because people don't really know when things are going to go back to normal, there's an issue in terms of potential shortages going forward in terms of you might go into a shop in a couple of months and if the coronavirus is still an issue, if you still can't have 100% number of employees going back into Chinese factories, then you might not be able to buy your device as quickly as you wish. Now, we have uh, so-called omni-channels to market. Uh, There are different ways that you can get your product. You don't have to go to the Apple store. Do we have any meaningful statistics yet on whether people who are not able to physically go into the store are actually now just using the internet and having their product delivered to them? Um, There is this long-going debate, I think, as to whether consumption delayed or postponed will actually take place through other channels. Yes, so obviously we've seen kind of a rise in terms of general e-commerce. I don't think we've seen any specific Apple data in terms of China, but in terms of general e-commerce, obviously if people can't leave their house, have to stay indoors, still have the internet, they're going to buy more through e-commerce. So we're probably going to see a big bump in terms of that and also kind of bump in terms of gaming and other type of sectors going forward. But you also need people to deliver those kind of those kind of devices. So obviously you need other people to go outside and to kind of brave the disease and the illness. And obviously, so it's not so much of an issue, I think, in terms of the rest of the world. I think, you know, most operators will have enough stocks, enough inventory. So if you go into a shop today in London and try to buy an iPhone, you'll be able to. But in terms of China, because people haven't closed the shop, the shop have been closed. That doesn't mean there's many people working. Obviously, Chinese New Year is kind of a two weeks where people don't really go to work. So in, in terms of factory usage, it's not really there. But it's kind of difficult. It's obviously something that means that it's not business as usual. And Apple have flagged that out on 20th of January when they reported the numbers. I think for me what that means is that they're not going to mean the 63 billion uh, mark that they had expected at the end of, at the end of January. Last, quarter, last year in Q1 they had 58 billion, so I'm assuming it's still going to see a growth as of right now. And if they do say something else again between now and the end of the quarter, that means that that 58 billion mark is probably not going to be met. So 
something to look, to, to look out for as well. And Dexter, a lot of consumers have smartphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are probably happy to wait it up yeah. until the next devices arrive in stores if there is a problem with some of the components. Mm-hmm. Others may not. Mm-hmm. So how do you judge whether what Apple is witnessing on the demand side is a lost sale over the course of 2020 or whether it could lead to that pent-up demand story that once facilities are back and once people are out shopping and you know, the purchases are resumed, that you see the snapback. So how do we weigh that up? Yeah, so it depends on the market. I think in China, people might be looking at Chinese manufacturers, so like every Huawei will also have kind of smartphone devices. Obviously, they also have some kind of an impact. I think in the rest of the world, if you really want to buy an iPhone, you're going to wait to buy an iPhone. I don't think you're going to switch to a Samsung, but obviously it depends on the timeline. If this continues and it continues for a few months and you don't have kind of the supply chain going back to normal, then it might come an issue. I think what also kind of helped Apple this quarter is that they didn't really release any new device. So this is not the time when they released something new. They released something new in October with the iPhone 11. They were planning to release a new device in March, April with a kind of new SE2. That could have an impact if, you know, the factory is on back to normal. They might have to delay that and the people might kind of delay the demand. But we might go from kind of a quarterly warning to maybe kind of a full year warning if this continues. That's the main issue. That's the uncertainty. We don't know where it's coming back to normal. Dexter, we'll pick up the conversation in just a moment. Thank you very much for that. China's reporting uh, less daily infections from the coronavirus. The number of confirmed cases now stands at over 75,000 globally. Hong Kong has reported its second fatality related to the coronavirus. It has now claimed 2,008 lives in total. Some passengers have now begun disembarking from the quarantine cruise ship of Japan following the end of their quarantine period. The outbreak of the infectious virus will deal a sharp short-term blow to Chinese economic growth in the first quarter, according to S&P Global. The ratings agency says if the virus is contained by March, GDP growth would rebound in the third quarter. The uh, coronavirus appears to have compounded uh, Japan's economic woes as new trade data shows exports decreasing for the 14th month in a row. Ahead of the outbreak, machinery orders in December declined at their highest rate since 2018, falling 12.5% on the previous month. Exports to the country's main trading partners hit hardest in January, dropping 6.4% to China and just over 3% for the rest of Asia. US-bound shipments slumped due to a sharp slowdown in passenger car demand. Coming up, is there uh, anything unusual in your luggage? Find out about the extreme measures Jaguar Land Rover is taking to get car parts out of China. We'll have more on that story in a moment. And if you just can't get enough of school clocks, be sure to tune in for everyone and podcast. Head to cmc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Have a listen and download today's episode. For our listeners out there, stick around for some more. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. General Motors, Fiat Chrysler and Toyota have confirmed their Chinese factories have resumed production amid the coronavirus outbreak. 
GM is ramping up a staggered two-week process to reopen its 15 Chinese factories, while three of Toyota's local plants are staffing single shifts. Volkswagen, Ford, Mercedes-Benz and Chinese brand Geely also resumed production last week. What is it about suitcases and car companies? I mean, look, um, Carlos Ghosn, right? He gets out of Japan in a, in a music case, was it? <laughs> he hopped into one, yes, so, apparently. So, so Carlos <laughs> Ghosn uses a, a case to get out of Japan, and now JLR is using suitcases to get its components out of China. Do you think Samsonite should be using this for a new Sam- marketing I think, campaign? I think Samsonite should be asking for a cut, shouldn't they? <laughs> uh, Jaguar Land Rover then has resorted to flying components out of China in suitcases as the car maker looks to deal with the impact of the coronavirus outbreak. CEO uh, Ralph Speth warned that the company may not have enough parts from China after the next two weeks to maintain its UK production. I'd love to see the conversation with the customs official as you arrive with brake spares as you're coming through Heathrow Airport. Anyway, and, uh, well, I, I guess it would make a change. And certain meat products and uh, dairy products that are being taken out of some countries, but now it's spare parts. Yeah, there you go. Um, speaking to CNBC from an event to unveil a new autonomous concept car, uh, Ralph Speth explained the risk to the supply chain. From a supply chain point of view, we have uh, quite clear a risk in China, but also we are facing a certain risk in Europe. At the very moment, we are sure for the next two weeks, but we don't know how the ch- supply chain will work then in the week three. Why? Because nobody knows at the moment how long this kind of production will be down in uh, China, how long the government will restrict also the uh, traffic. And therefore, at the very moment, we first of all don't see any cells in China. And although there, nobody nobody knows how long it will take. And secondly, we see also the potential risk of the supply chain issues. So how does he feel it's going to impact the business then? Well, he was optimistic about the outlook for negotiations, at least between the UK and the EU on a post-Brexit trade agreement. It's a democratic process and we also have to honour this kind of democratic process and the decision of the population. Uh, we had to stop twice last year already because of this kind of Brexit issues and it costs us a lot of money. On the other hand, uh, we are optimistic now that the decision is made that there is time enough to make this kind of free trade agreement and I'm optimistic that on both sides of the channel the politicians will find solutions in order uh, to really uh, generate free seamless trade because as Adam Smith or Mr. Ricardo already uh, approved 200 years ago roundabout this kind of free and fair trade is the basis for wealth in the society and for a better society. And I'm pretty sure that the politicians work for their people and their population. Tesla shares jumped over 7% after Bernstein and Morgan Stanley both raised their price targets for the electric car maker. Morgan Stanley set out a bull case of $1,200 a share, while Bernstein raised its target to $730 per share, saying investors believe the company can sustain profitability. Speaking to CNBC, billionaire investor Leon Cooperman remained sceptical about the optimistic investment into Tesla. Here's what he had to say. We're in the early stages of knocking on the door of euphoria, but we're not quite in euphoria. Certain parts of the market are in euphoria, like Tesla. Other parts of the market, like energy, are in pessimism. And so I'm trying to find things that 
make sense. But the conditions for a big decline are not present. I think the market has gone overboard in their negative view of energy. It's like they can't own enough Tesla and they can't you know, divest enough of their energy. And the fact is, if the economy grows, energy demand is going to grow. Uh, electric vehicles, I think, are 2% of the automobile population. And uh, I'm 77. Uh, <laughs> I doubt very much that uh, there'll be a majority of vehicles in, in my lifetime. Moody's has downgraded Renault to junk BA1 rating, citing further declines for operating margins in 2020. Last week, Renault reported a 99% fall in net income for 2019, blaming margin pressure and a collapse in revenue from its partner Nissan. The French car maker now plans to undergo a $2 billion restructuring program. Let's come back to Dexter Tillian, a senior industry analyst at Fitch Solutions. Dexter, there are links between the autos and the mobile phone sector that we were just talking about in terms of supply chain, mm -hmm. both now facing disruptions out of China because of the coronavirus. Uh, I want to ask you whether this could be worse down the track because you've got autos obviously putting more chips, more components into mm -hmm. cars as they move towards connected cars of the future. And I wonder whether this story around coronavirus is a wake-up call for some manufacturers about where they want to put their supply chains. Yes, that's definitely something like that. I mean, China is basically the global manufacturing tech hub. And I would argue that tech is probably the most globalized industry. So I think the reason why tech has grown so big in the last 20, 30 years is because they've been able to use China as a manufacturing hub and obviously the US as kind of a more intellectual hub. We've been kind of looking for the past 12, 18 months at kind of the impact of the trade war, the tech war between US and China on the rest of the world, and especially on Apple because it's doubly kind of exposed both to the consumer market and also the manufacturing market. I think we've seen with the coronavirus what could have happened or the preview of what could have happened if you had been if you'd had like a full-blown trade war on tech war. So I think the issue in terms of the disease, in terms of the disease that it can stop and kind of go back to business as usual fairly quickly. You know in three months time this might be something in the past not happen. But it's obviously highlighting the fact that China is a big part of the global tech supply chain and that companies will need to look and be diversifying because those kind of black swan events, whether it's a disease, whether it's a, you know, more train tension, could happen again. And I think companies will realize that putting all your eggs into China might be an issue, which is why we've seen people moving into Vietnam, moving into Hong Kong, moving into India, Apollo's moving to India to do some of the manufacturing there. I think companies might need to look to diversify a bit more and not just focus on China especially. And the rising cost base, uh, one mm. of the incentives initially, but now uh, other fears obviously around security and mm. uh, an outbreak of uh, a disease or virus mm. in China exacerbating some of those fears. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.